I enjoy helping people solve problems. It helps me ignore mine. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast that I just realized can't actually be my midlife crisis because I plan on living a lot longer than that. The Raw Safari Podcast. Y'all, I am a nerd. If my constant bad puns or the fact that I host a science podcast or the fact that I make musical things for that podcast, like stereotypical animal podcast theme songs or have my buddy Taylor do interrupting John acapella didn't tip you off. Well, then, first of all, you have not been paying attention. But second of all, I I have to tell you, I went on an adventure today that took me to one of the coolest bookstores in the country. The Book Barn in Niantic, Connecticut is it's amazing. It's, it's a bookstore, and this is not an ad. Um, uh, it's just, I got to talk about this. I, I went to this bookstore today, and there were like seven full buildings just full of books everywhere. It was crazy. And they had this huge zoology section. And I got so many guys. I bought 13 new books today. 13. I'm a busy human. I'm a podcaster. I'm a musician. I, uh, I have a life, y'all. I bought 13 books today. And, and I just thought that y'all would appreciate that and knowing that I could not not purchase every book that I saw that had anything to do with zoos. But to take it a step further about how nerdy I am in general, you may remember on previous episodes that I've mentioned that I have a real problem with contagious yawns. If somebody even says the word yawn to me, I might end up yawning. As a matter of fact, me saying it to myself right now is going to make me yawn. This is not a joke. (sighs) But anyway... Um, as I was saying the thing about the bookstore, I I yawned and I, I wanted to cut it because who leaves a yawn on the podcast? Asks a guy who just intentionally left a yawn on his podcast. Um, but I had to go back and listen to exactly where it came in so I knew where to cut and where to pick up speaking again. And I listened to it and I got the contagious yawn from my own previously recorded yawn. And it sent me down this loop where I was just sitting here yawning and then having to listen back to the yawn over and over again. And, um, I should, I should probably stop working on these so late. Um, not just because of the yawn thing, but also because, um, I'm going to give you a gift right now. Uh, sometimes I misspeak when I'm recording these things, especially when it's late at night and I'm tired. And, um, this just came out of my mouth. Problem. 
Yep, that was me trying to say the word problem. So, uh, wow, this episode's off to a great start. Uh, I promise the interview is really good, and I just like having some fun with y'all and, and being honest and chatting at the beginning of these. Um, but okay, enough of this goofiness. Uh, make sure you are following along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rossafari. On TikTok at Rossafari Pod. I just posted a new video. I made a video I've been promising to forever, and I did, and it's adorable. You're welcome. So go check that out and follow along. And, um, you know, if you would like to support the pod financially, uh, then you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari, and you'll get to hear some cool bonus audio and see some cool bonus pictures and stuff from time to time as I am able to provide it and also help me keep doing what I'm doing. You could also sign up for the Red Panda level of Patron, which is our highest level, and then you'll get to hear your name on an episode when I say things like, thank you, PJ Bevan, and thank you, Laura Shank, for being a Red Panda level patron. See, just like that, only your name. Every episode, or at least every episode that I remember it. Anyway, speaking of episodes, let's get to what today's episode is all about. Despite the fact that there is nothing spooky in this episode, except for this whole intro, <laughs> I am bringing back a guest that you last heard on the Rossafari Spooky Spectacular. Back then, she worked at Elmwood Park Zoo, but now Kelsey Castro Giovanni, who has the greatest last name of any guest ever, is the lead keeper at the Ecotarium up in Massachusetts. And we are going to talk about why she chose to go to a different facility and the animals that she has there and some of the passions that she has when it comes to animal stuff. And um, yeah, it's really great. This whole day was wonderful. Uh, so this was recorded uh, when I was up in New England playing a show at Northern Stage, and um, Zoe was visiting at the time, so she got to come along, and we mentioned this in the interview, but uh, the Ecotarium was closed this day, and so it kind of just became Kelsey, Zoe, and I hanging out at the zoo and, and talking about animals and meeting some of them, and then, uh, you know, doing this whole podcast interview thing. It was a great day, and I'm thankful to Kelsey and everyone at the Ecotarium for making it so special. And now it's almost time to share that specialness with y'all, but first, an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. All right, y'all, it's time. Get ready to have your socks blown off unless you are Fox the Socks, who you're going to get to. Oh, my gosh. I meant to say Socks the Fox. That's amazing. Leaving it in. Unless you are Socks the Fox, who you're going to get to hear about in this episode. 
when I speak to Kelsey Castro Giovanni of the Ecotarium. All right. So tell me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. My name is Kelsey. I am the lead animal keeper here at the Ecotarium in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. And so the Ecotarium is uh, not your standard zoo zoo. So why don't you tell the listening public uh, what, what the Ecotarium is? So we're actually a children's museum and zoo combo, which is pretty cool. We have a huge emphasis on education here, which is amazing. And I love having that focus myself. Um, so we have lots of different exhibits inside that have to do with physics or city science is like a whole section of one of our floors. Um, we have this new section, which is actually really cool, where kids get to design video games and a dance party with lasers and stuff, which is pretty neat. But in all that, we also have some animal exhibits mixed in and we have a big outside area with a bunch of different species as well. Very, very cool. And, uh, and we have just completed a tour here and it is, it is really amazing. Um, and so we will, we will get to all of the cool animals or at least some of the cool animals here because there are, there are many. Um, but I kind of want to talk about you a little bit here. So, so you have been a guest before, uh, as part of the spooky spectacular, and now you're getting to do a whole podcast episode where I won't do weird voices. So congratulations on that. Um, but we never really talked about like you or your career or anything. Cause I was so focused on the, mostly on my bad Dracula impression, honestly. So, um, now I am curious, uh, what got you into, into this field? Um, I pretty classic, you know, like I've wanted to work with animals my whole life. Um, but honestly, I used to watch those Shamu shows when I was very young. Okay. And when I was like three years old, I started saying I wanted to be a marine biologist because I found out that that's what works with Shamu. So then later in my life, I was like, well, you know what? Sharks are cooler than Shamu. So I wanted to work with sharks. Um, that didn't, that didn't work out. Yeah. Turns no. out I can't scuba dive. Oh, um, okay. So... Instead, I kind of turned onto land animals. And I was like, well, what can I still do and work with animals? Looked at veterinary stuff for a minute and then said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. I love taking care of animals, but um, vets have a very hard job. And that was not something I felt I was cut out for. So then I was kind of like, well, what about zookeeping or even rehabilitation work? That might be pretty cool. So I worked in to getting into that field. It took a lot. But ever since I was in high school and I had the ability to kind of adjust my classes, I've been working towards a career with animals. Nice. Very cool. And where did you start working with animals then? Um, very first time was at a nature center in Connecticut. Nice. Um, I don't know if it has the same name anymore, actually. I was there like over 11 years ago. <laughs> so there. very, very long time. But yeah, I was working with like opossums and cows. There was a pig named Miss Piggy. Nice. She was pretty great. Nice. But yeah, that was the first time I worked with animals and it was amazing and I loved every second of it. Very cool. And then, so you, you ended up at Elmwood Park Zoo and that is where we met and, um, and, you know, shout out to EPZ and all the awesomeness there. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious. So I know that you really loved Elmwood Park. You really love Elmwood Park Zoo. I don't want to put that in the past tense. Um, and but now you're in a new place, the Ecotarium. And other than just thinking that it had a cooler name, what what was it like? Like, why did you decide to, to leave Elmwood and come here? Yeah, it's actually a super hard decision. And I'm sure lots of people struggle with it too throughout their careers. But 
I, I'd been at Elmwood for just over five years, which is quite a long time. Um, I'd learned so much and I love it there. Like I love the animals. I love the facility. I hope them the best. They've got some really cool future plans too, which is exciting. I'm sad to not be a part of them anymore, but it's still exciting to hear about them. Um, but I really wanted to keep growing my career and I wanted to someday in the future be a manager or a supervisor or maybe even work up to being a curator far, far in the future. That's like many decades down the road, <laughs> but maybe someday. Um, so I was kind of looking for an opportunity to keep going forward and this opened up and I'm actually a lead keeper now. So I do some supervisory work and I get to help be a part of some of the bigger decisions um, and really help out the curator, which for me is really exciting. And I feel like I'm learning stuff again and I'm working with some species I've never worked with before, which is also really awesome because I moved to, it's a smaller facility than Elmwood was, but I'm working with ravens now, which I've never worked with. And I'm sure everyone on here knows corvids are amazing. Yes. So yes. it's, it's pretty cool. It's been a nice, a different change, a nice change. Um, but it's really neat. I get to keep moving my career forward essentially. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, and, and what, what, what was it like though? Like, Talk me through. So one of the things, and I, I know I already told you this, but for those listening, one of the things that I, I really want to focus on here a little bit is we always talk about the journey on this podcast, but we never really focus on like the emotional feelings. Like what was it like leaving Elmwood and, and the animals there? And I guess the people, whatever, there's some good people there, but mostly like, what is it like? in your heart as you're making that decision to be like, this is what's right for me, but also, oh my gosh, I love animals there. And, you know, talk to me about that a little bit. It's honestly gut-wrenching. Um, I'm not going to lie. I cried. <laughs> I cried when I was making the decision, when I was thinking about making the decision, after I'd made the decision, <laughs> um, after I'd moved. She's crying right now. No, I'm not, <laughs> not, yet, I'm not yet. Not <laughs> yet. Um, but no, it's definitely very hard. Like you make really close connections with your animals and, they're not yours per se, but, you know, you take care of them. You do everything for them. And I had really good relationships with several of the animals, like Mateo the Ocelot. I worked with him for years, ever since he'd arrived at Elmwood. Um, Elmwood getting ocelots was one of the reasons I was actually hired because <laughs> I had experience with ocelots before I started. Um, and I think he liked me. He always said good morning and rubbed on the fence. He was a very good boy. But, yeah, leaving your animals is hard. It's very, very hard. And it's easy to keep up with people. You know, you can right. always text, you can call people. I still play D and D with a bunch of the keepers from, nice, nice. <laughs> from Elwood. So we're all, we're all dorks together. Um, but it's harder to keep in contact with your animals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, they don't, most of them don't have Facebook pages. No, not, not, not typically. And it's hard to FaceTime with them, you know? Um, but yes, I've tried with a few. Yeah, just they just, work. they don't pay attention. No. It's not the same. No, it's really not. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. It's very sad. It's like leaving a family member behind almost, but you know that they'll still be taken care of and they're always there. So I actually recently went back to go visit and see everyone. Um, and it was, How was that? it was nice to see all the animals, but also sad. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. San Mateo. I didn't want to say hi because I was afraid that he would come over <laughs> or something and then I'd cry in public. So I didn't stay very long looking at him, but it was still nice to get to see all the animals and see how they were doing. And here's some of the really cool things at Elmwood. Um, I got to see some of their progress on their sloth house, nice. which is looking really nice. cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about that whole development there. We were trying to get me there for a uh, an interview, an episode, 
before everything was announced, but scheduling didn't work out. But I'm, I'm still hopeful that we can do one at some point about their new sloth exhibit oh, because sorry. it's going to be amazing. Drop the ball a little there. It's all good. <laughs> all good. It's going to be amazing. I just suddenly got busy again. Like I didn't know that drums were going to be a thing. And then they were a thing, which is lovely. But, you know, I had kind of forgotten that I have, a, whatchamacallit, a career. A career oh, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting, interrupting John. So just a fun quick fact for y'all, that interview is now scheduled and will be taking place actually the day this episode is released. Isn't that fun? Serendipity, y'all. Yay! Okay, back to the interview. But so, okay, so, you know, very challenging and thank you for, you know, being so honest about that. Um, when, when you get up here, did you know people? Did you know the area? Did you know anything? So I have family in Connecticut, Okay, like all of them. Uh, So I was moving closer to family and I decided to live with my parents and save money Okay, um, to try and buy a house at some point. Nice. So nice in that aspect. Um, I'm still about an hour from where my parents are right now. So I have a pretty long commute. Yeah. But it's not, it's not horrible. And listen to some good podcasts. I know one in particular. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been getting into audiobooks lately. (laughs) Nice. I'm actually a huge fan of audiobooks. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, the, uh, I'll just mention it on here again because I've mentioned it on Zoo News recently. um, But uh, Hollow Kingdom, uh, the book that I I recommended to you and, and its sequel, Feral Creatures, are amazing audiobooks. The, the performance is really good, which, yeah, Yeah. highly recommend. Which I'm definitely looking into myself. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Highly recommend. Very cool. Very cool. So are you happy that you moved here? Loaded question because you can't say no because, you know, people from here will listen to here, but are you happy that you, you, you moved here? Yeah. They're probably listening right now also. Right. Yeah. No, there are, there are three people with glasses on the door as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I, I am happy. It's been exciting. It's, hard um a lot of learning to do because mm-hmm. not only am i still doing keeper work which means i have to learn how everything's done here because i know how to take care of animals but everywhere is a little bit different so i'm learning how to do that here but i'm also learning all of the extra aspects of having a, a new position from what i had before so it's it's been fun busy difficult but i i'm enjoying it it's been really nice good i'm really glad to hear that um you know leadership is not something that that everyone is cut out for um how's that going for you how is learning to be more of a leader um i think it's not been bad it's definitely pushing me more out there's of... that confidence we're looking for <laughs> it's, it's, it's pushing me out of my comfort zone which is kind of what i wanted to do right too because like i i don't want to be too comfortable in one position like i like being pushed to learn more and to do more for me that's makes me happy so it's been interesting um, to say the least, but yeah, it's definitely been fun. I, I also love troubleshooting. That's like something that for me is really fun. Like I love helping to solve problems. I enjoy helping people solve problems. It helps me ignore mine, <laughs> <laughs> but no, for real though. I do. No, that I, I yeah. actually can relate to that too. I'm, I'm here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do enjoy helping other people solve problems and it's really nice too. I get to help a lot with like animal training, um, troubleshooting which right. i i love doing i love solving problems that is what makes me happy so i love like being able to be the person that people can come to for help very cool very cool and um you know one of the things that's interesting about your current position here is that normally 
when when I've talked to people at zoos, you either have you either work with an education collection or you work with the exhibit collection. You work with all the things, right? Yeah, so we actually have like a combo um which is really neat. That's one of the reasons why I was drawn to this place in the first point as well is because we have we do have an education department in the museum um and they educate about everything you can imagine. But we also have education animals just in our regular collection and we take care of them. And we also do a lot of the educational programming. So we do a lot of like virtual stuff now. Thanks, COVID. Yes, yes. I actually, Um, you know, that's one thing I think COVID has been really good for. And I always feel weird saying that. But um, online conservation education has like tenfold what it used to be. And it is amazing to see that. Yeah, it's also been really fun, too. Like, I giving Zoom classes is really neat. Like, I feel less pressured for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because there's not a huge crowd in front of me, right. which makes me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's fun. I love, I love giving them. And it's so awesome, too. Like, sometimes when it's just you and the animal and you're holding a camera, they're more likely to come over. Right, right. So, like, we have very shy cougars here. But during the Zoom programs, they'll come over and put their nose in the camera and hiss at me. So... <laughs> Like gets you some really cool pictures that you might not get to see otherwise, but it, it has been really nice. But we'll also do programming like here in the museum. We actually have a classroom inside, which we'll take animals to and do programming when we're open. Yeah, that is that is awesome. And y'all are open, right? Yes, we are still limited hours. So we're open only Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's 10 to 5. Um, but I do believe we have plans to open more days during the week in the future. I am not completely up to date on what the future plan is, but I know I feel there like is nobody one. is, even if there is one, things can change tomorrow. Like everything's, yeah. I feel like literally every show that I play is going to be my last one until things get shut down again, but like in a positive way, not in, but I go like, I don't think I have, I don't think I have had such joy every time I've hit the stage ever in my career, at least since I first like got to the level I wanted to be at because genuinely every show feels special right now, you know? And so, yeah, you know, there are, again, there are in weird ways, there are perks too. Yeah. People have been, been so excited to come out too, which is really, really nice. They're super interested in everything you have to say and like learning about animals. And it has been nice. Like before people would be like, "Eh, I don't really care about your talk and maybe you get a couple but now like you get so many people who are so interested and they just want to talk to you (laughs) please talk to me about anything i haven't talked to a human all week yeah no that's that's real that's real but that is really cool and um i just yeah it's 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 interesting seeing how things have adapted you know with everything going on right now um and i will point out to to those listening um today is a monday and kelsey was awesome enough to let me come on a day when they are closed and we did a full tour of all the animals and uh it has just been really amazing so thank you so much for that it was it was a really special you you know you you did about two and a half hours of just going through these animals with us right yeah, yeah. I realized that about halfway through. I was like, oh, it's been over an hour. Whoops. <laughs> no, I super appreciate that, though. Yeah, it was just, just Kelsey, Zoe, and I wandering through the Ecotarium and uh, good times. And with that said, I think we should talk about some of the animals that are here. Um, there are some amazing animals with all the personality. And as you know, I like to do name, personality, tell me about them. Let's start with some of the exhibit animals, and we have to start with socks. Yes. So Socks the Fox, as you would expect, obviously the perfect name for a fox. Of course. Yeah. He is such a good boy. Um, he's about 14. 
So he's he's not too old, but he's not young anymore. So he's a little bit of an older boy, but he you wouldn't know it. He is so spry. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, he was a rescue because someone raised him in their house when he was a baby. So he basically became imprinted and he lost his fear of humans. Uh, so he really likes people. He which, really likes people. Which is nice. It's a nice change <laughs> for your animal to actually want you to be in there with them. Because <laughs> um, a lot of animals are like, please just feed me and go. Um, but yeah, he wants you to hang out with him. He's super nice. Um, but he was confiscated by Fish and Wildlife because you can't have wild foxes as pets. Um, and they don't make great pets either. They're they're pretty smelly. They smell a little bit like skunks. Yeah. Um, and they like to dig in anything, including your couch and, and drywall. Oh good. So, oh good. <laughs> yeah, not not great inside pets. Um, but he's he's just gonna be here for his whole life. He does some Zoom programming, which is really nice. He doesn't go off site, but with the Zoom, like we can bring him right bring the camera in with him and right, right. we can have a really cool Zoom thing for him. Um, but yeah, he's he's super super great. He's a little rough looking right now. He's shed so he's got his gross summer fox coat. Yeah, that happens with them. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll be pretty again in two months. And he'll never have known he was so thin. <laughs> so thin and hairless. But he, he's he's a very good boy. He loves people. He loves attention. Um, he actually, we got to hear him cackle at us because he was like, please feed me. <laughs> I Which need you will breakfast. also get to hear because I have a recording of that. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John again. I mean, arguably, I could have just called this one Interrupting Socks, but I feel like Taylor wouldn't want to record a whole new thing for me. So um, here is Socks. <laughs> Honestly, I love foxes so much, and Socks was amazing. Okay, back to the interview. Yeah, he's just such a good boy. You know, loves people, loves attention. He's a little ham. You come up to the the fence there. He likes to come over and say hi. Although sometimes he gets hot, so he goes and he lays out on a nice rock in the back there, so he can cool off a little. Fair, fair. And um, what? Uh, tell me a little bit. So you're saying that they they dig. So he's on natural ground. So how do you compensate for that? So he does have a dig fence. So deep underground there is a fence. So he can dig pretty far down, and he's really good at making holes. <laughs> Um, he actually just recently made a tunnel that was two feet deep and about three and a half feet long. Quite impressive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we did have to fill that in because <laughs> we don't want him to make a, a, a not good tunnel and then have it collapse on him. Right, right. Um, but so far, his tunnels have been very well constructed. Um, so he can only dig down so far before he can't dig anymore. That makes sense. Cool. All right. So that is my buddy Socks. And I have to tell you that, you know, to work with or be hands-on at all with a fox, you need to be rabies vaccinated, which I am not. But I would consider paying the, like, $1,000 to get the rabies vaccine, which is, I think, like, three different expensive shots, just to, like, pet Socks for a minute because Socks is really freaking adorable. <laughs> yeah. It is good that they last a long time. But yeah. yeah, mine were two seventy five per shot. Nice, and I lovely. Had paid that by myself. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and his for people who don't know this, foxes are are um, canids, and his tail wags when he gets excited. Like it's yes. literally like a puppy but a fox. Like socks came running over with his tail wagging, and my heart melted. 
Yeah, that he's very good at melting hearts. Yes, yes. one of his talents. Yeah, uh, amongst many. Yes, including building tunnels. Apparently, building tunnels, yeah. just looking beautiful. Yes, and yeah, regal. Well, so I'm told. <laughs> yeah, he'll have to come in the winter. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so then let's talk about pepper because there's there's an interesting fact about pepper. Yes. So Sergeant Pepper, he's named after the Beatles. Yes. Um, he is one of the very best boys here, and he's 19 years old. Well, he's what is he? North American there. porcupine. You? Yes. Yes. Um, he is so so old. So he is. Right at the top range there of his life expectancy. So, you know, he's obviously still going to live till 30. Yeah. No, no doubt. Hands down. Um, but he actually has a gray nose. Yes. Which I have never worked with super old porcupines, <laughs> so I did not realize they got gray noses. And it is one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my life. There will be photos on my Instagram at Rasafari. Make sure you check it out. Good stuff, uh, yeah. And we we got to we got to feed Sergeant Pepper a little bit, and it was uh, it was really cool hanging out. Um, but tell me tell me a little bit more about Sergeant Pepper. He's he's a pretty relaxed boy, you know. He's he's older now. He moves around a bit, but it's hot now. It's summertime, and most porcupines turn into a porcupine puddle. Yes, yes, yes a porcupine puddle, um, <laughs> and they don't really move much. But he actually gets like ice bottles in the summer, and he likes to just hug those. <laughs> it's a it's a hard life. <laughs> But yeah, he's he's very good. He's really calm. He has no problem with people being around him. He's actually really good, too, at opening boxes and bags for his food. Because we like to give him foraging, so we're not just handing him all of his food. Right, right. But he's he's really, really good at that stuff. He doesn't care too much about other toys and things, but he loves to rip open boxes. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and how about we, we talk about your ravens? Yes. Jan and Poe. Yes. <laughs> They are really, really cool. They're actually the first corvids I've ever worked with. Um, they were both imprinted as babies, so they think that we are just really weird-looking ravens, and we sound weird, and we can't fly, and we're just strange. So we're we're just one of them. Um, they can be a little bit, a little skittish. They're neophobic, so they're afraid of new things. So kind of anything weird that they haven't seen before is terrifying. So we actually had some construction, um, not on grounds, but at our neighboring facility. Um, and there was a blue crane and it was terrifying. It was so scary. So that the Ravens couldn't do anything. They couldn't even eat. It was wow. too scary. Um, but otherwise they're very, very smart. They're really awesome. They make so many different sounds. Um, Ravens can make like human noises, just right, like right. parrots can. So they can parrot things back at you. Um, our girls don't talk, but they do a lot of croaking and, one of them actually recently decided to start making movie monster clicks. And when it's really quiet in the morning, it's just really creepy. Nice. Nice. Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, that, that seems appropriate for a raven. Yeah. She started making them when I wasn't looking either. So <laughs> I'm just like looking around like, what is this? <laughs> What's so happening? This is when I die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is there a mutant rat coming? Like, <laughs> um, But they're they're really cool. They're so fun to enrich. They love puzzle feeders of like any kind which is really exciting for me i love making puzzle feeders and they love solving them so you know it's really awesome and they just love any anything you give them really they love to cache things so they stick it to save it somewhere for later um and they'll put it up in the ceiling where you can't get it or they shove it out through the holes in the wall you know it's really cool though but they're they're super fun yeah, and that's one of the focuses here too is uh, enrichment items, and 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 you mentioned that they have like a ton, right? Yeah, and since they're also only destructive with certain things, so they'll destroy cloth items, um, 
or like tennis balls to rip the fuzz off of it. But for the most part, they don't break things or eat them. So they can have so many different things. Like they can have Legos or soft plastic balls or we give them like little rubber balls. Um, we have like toy soldiers. They love those because they fit through the fence. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So they can shove them all out. Um, but it's really fun because we can kind of give them anything you can think of and they will use it, which is also nice. It's nice that they appreciate it. Yeah, no, right. I, I sometimes think it's really interesting when um, I'll see certain animals that get enrichment and they just, they don't care. Um, I mean, I, I love Slash the Red Panda at Elmwood Park Zoo and I know they have tried so many different enrichment items and like some of the puzzle feeders, sure, but um, he has like a ball that makes a squawky noise and stuff and and no, just no. Never, yeah. never. Unless he's got food in it. Yeah. He's he's not really a fan. Yeah, no. He, he And I appreciate that they're trying and giving them the option, you know, and that, that's an important part of this is making sure that animals have the ability to interact with these things. But uh, literally every time I go to the zoo now, I'm just like, oh, look, Slash has a new ball. That'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it is with a lot of animals. You, you put it in there for them and they're probably going to ignore it. But yeah. Once in a while, you get the ones who don't, and it's really, really nice. Do you ever get the feeling that um, your your ravens are watching you pick up the stuff outside the, the fence and just kind of laughing? Yeah, it definitely feels that way. Yeah. 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 They just watch you the whole time as you walk through a thorn bush <laughs> to get the tiny rubber ducky. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I obviously get where the name Poe comes from because Edgar Allan Poe did the poem The Raven. But where does Jan come from? Do you know? I actually don't. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't here when they were named. Right, right. Since I'm still fairly new. So right. I don't know exactly where their names were from unless you know the reference. I don't. Oh, wow. Threw <laughs> yeah. that back on me. Okay. No, I'm I'm <laughs> terrible at references myself. So. Fair, fair. Yes, yeah. you just learned that Edgar Allan Poe wrote a play. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, I knew that one. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I kid. I kid. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John again. So you already know, if you follow along on Instagram, that I love crows, especially a pied crow named Russell at Southwick's Zoo. And uh, crows are part of the corvid family, as are ravens, which, by the way, sound like this. She's also started making... Recently. I don't know where she heard them, but if you ever watch like horror movies with big monsters and make like the clicky sound, she makes that sound now. Oh, oh good, but only early in the morning when it's quiet now. Nice. What's up? Such awesomely chatty animals. And also, my favorite football team is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, that's not really relevant to the episode, but we won today as I'm editing this, so. Yay! Go Ravens! Woo! Sports. And now back to the interview. So we'll we'll break away from animals for a second, um, because you have another passion when it comes to animal stuff, which is um, planning and like the future. And so, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on that, and how in your new role you're able to help shape that. So I just, I get really, really excited when I get to think about like future plans and just making plans and stuff like it. It's exciting, you know, to think about what things could be like. Um, 
but that all it comes down to planning right because we do have the museum as well so we're trying to essentially expand on two fronts <laughs> we don't have any plans yet obviously right. that's so far in the future but well and you just got here yeah and, and just to take the place by storm yes yes but just it's nice that like i can help come up with some of those ideas and plans and like obviously they're not all going to happen and they'll be changed or adjusted but it's still nice that like where i am now i get to help i get to discuss with our curator about this type of stuff and help her um come up with ideas for our future plans which is really really nice yeah that is really nice and you sound so genuine about it i i love that kelsey that is really awesome um now i know just from talking to you uh you know in life and we are friends and stuff and so yay that um but you yay friendship woo but anyway you like to talk about um kind of like species that used to live in an area and then don't live there anymore and stuff so um just just tell me about that. Go off, girl. Woo! Because there's so many species that have been pushed out of here. We used to have grizzly bears okay. all the way over on the East Coast. Wow. And we pushed them all the way back. We almost extirpated them from the U.S. entirely. Wow. Um, at one point. But we have them back now. Yes, yes. But we did almost push them out entirely, which is why their ranges are so small now in the U.S. But they did used to live over the whole thing. Um, we used to have wapiti or elk right, right. all the way over here as well. And they also were pushed off to the side um caribou used to come down this far hmm. they also got pushed away so there's and wolves obviously oh i am heartbroken constantly about wolves yes. yeah yes but there are so many species that used to live here that don't now yeah absolutely 100 percent um i'm a big fan of you know looking at the the history of an area and and trying i think that's a great educational tool to say to someone like not only are these animals around, like, in the world and important to see, but also, like, these things used to be here, and stupid humans ran them off, and we suck, and let's do better. Yeah. Um, probably in a slightly in a nicer, better phrase a nicer way tone. than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's actually a new thing, too. I get to help with signage. I was just going to bring that up, but yes. you me do it. I love it. Such yeah. a great transition. Yes. No. So, so tell me about that, because bad signage drives me freaking crazy. Yeah. Well, I've, yeah. I've only helped with one so far. It's well, a good one. One and a half, because I have to help. With our kestrels soon, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. But, no, I, I, I know it's a weird thing to like doing, but I love writing signage. Ever since I had one class in college called Interpretive Science or something like that, or Interpretation of the Natural World. Some, nice. Some weird right, right. title like that, but it was all about, like, how to interpret things to guests and visitors. Mm. We actually went to other museums and critiqued them. Um they didn't all score very high. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can think of a zoo or aquarium or two that would, would get some uh, some low ratings, but we won't we won't say any here. No, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really nice because like a lot of our animal signage goes through the animal department, so we get to help have some say in what the signs say um, and what message we should be pushing, right, which right. is really cool. We try to theme it. There's still like sections that are biodiversity, for example, so we'll want to write something about biodiversity. And what it has to do with that species. But it's still really cool that we get to help do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious. So we're at the Ecotarium. And you find that these new opportunities for helping to plan for the future and writing signage and all that stuff um, make your eco swell? Ah, eco, eco. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget about that. Yeah, I know. I thought of that on the way <laughs> here. And I was so it. proud. And I wanted to cram it in. <laughs> And I uh, haven't forgotten. I appreciate good puns. Yeah, that wasn't a good pun. But. No, no, but it was still a pun. 
I love puns. Yeah, they're pretty much what fuel the podcast. Um, also animals, but mostly that. Yeah. No, but, no, but seriously, like what do, all, all dumb jokes aside, yeah. what, what does it do for you to know that you're having that kind of impact? It just makes me feel good, really. I don't I don't think I'm ever going to get a, a big ego. You're, you're <laughs> I, not. I try I've, not to. <laughs> I've known you for a bit now, and you are, you are not. No. Yeah. I... I don't know. I just, I really like helping a lot. Like that makes me happy. I like teaching people. Um, that's all exciting for me. It's just, it just makes me happy. <laughs> so how do you get better and encourage others to get better at science communication? That's really hard. Um, it's, yes, it's, yeah, it's always difficult for me. Like it's always been finding what someone's passionate about because if you're passionate or can become passionate about something, then you want to learn and you want to help and make a difference which is honestly really important with children like that's where you start to form your passions so that's like being able to be informed when you're a kid i think is so important and that's why partly i'm so excited to work in like a children's museum zoo combo like we have little kids coming here who are going to walk out having had a really cool experience because they just learned that this porcupine is 19 years old and he's like so cool and so gentle when they walked in, they thought porcupines would shoot quills at them. Right, right. Yes, which they do not. Just they, they don't. For anyone who's listening, porcupine, I know you probably know, but they, they don't. Yes, no shooting of quills. Yes. No. Most, still most asked question about porcupines. <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome. No, that's really cool. I'm glad that it's been such a cool experience for you here so far. Um, I'm also glad that you have otters so that was the worst transition and i love it but tell me about your uh otterly adorable otters we have two otters we have slidell and daisy um it's really actually kind of funny because it's basically the same dynamic that i worked with back in elmwood so we have a 15 year old male slidell and he lives with a four to five year old female <laughs> daisy which is it's pretty crazy like that's almost exactly the the same age ratio that elmwood right, has right um so it's just funny that it's always like a young female with an old male. So it's the same thing. Like the males, they like they like their little girlfriends, but also they're like, please, I want to sleep. <laughs> Does it get weird at all during, um, you know, estrus? Yes, definitely. Slidell was not at all interested. <laughs> and and poor Daisy, she's just rubbing all over him and chasing him around, <laughs> walking with her nose on his butt. And he's he's just like, please stop. Just don't. <laughs> And she's like, wait, come back. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Um, yeah, and they seem to get along well, though, overall. Like, they yeah, no. There's grooming and playing. and Yeah, they're very good. She's still usually the one to follow him around, which I think is what happens a lot still with uh, oh, Rocky and Piper. Piper <laughs> is 100% on Rocky's butt all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There have actually been times that I've been at Elmwood, and they are not together. They're in, like, separate places, and she'll be doing a thing. And she will stop what she is doing, look around with a with big eyes. I mean, I interpret it as almost like panic. Find him and be like, I'm not with Rocky and go immediately over. It doesn't matter what she's doing. She can be playing with enrichment. She can be swimming. She has this sudden remembrance of the fact that she's not with Rock and then takes off for him. And it is adorable. Yeah, that happens a lot because Slidell will wake up first for food. Mm -hmm. So he'll come over and he's like, yes, please give me the fish. And then Daisy will look around. She's like, where'd he go? He's gone. 
And then she has to run over to him as fast as she can, right, which course, yes. also being an otter is so cute. Yes, adorable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's awesome. Um, I have a question. So I, when I when I met Rocky, uh, he he did a vocalization when he was eating, which was the craziest thing I've I've ever heard. And I've since met some other um, North American river otters, and they didn't do this. But so I'm curious if this is a thing. But the yum 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 yum, where he literally just sounds like he's saying yum. Is, is that just a weird Rocky thing, or does Slidell do that? Or our otters do not. Okay. Um, they don't usually make sounds while they're eating. Okay. Other than you know little lip smacking sounds. Right. Right. But but no yum yum sounds. Okay. So he also doesn't scream like Rocky did. So <laughs> Rocky has been known to scream. Yeah. But yeah. The yum yum was the craziest thing I, I think I've ever encountered with an animal sound because it literally he sang the word yum over and over. And I know that's not what he's doing, but the fact that it is that exact vocalization is, you know, yum, 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 just just kills me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's no yum yums okay. and, and no yelling. But Daisy's actually pretty vocal. She chirps a lot, like all the time. Nice. Yeah. Which is pretty cool to hear that more often because otters aren't typically crazy vocal. So right, right. but she tends to, to chirp quite often. Nice. Very cool. So let's move on to the um, education collection um, a little bit here. And uh, yeah, so just just talk me through some of what you got and who we got to hang out with today. Well, some of the standout animals yes. that are there are stars. Let's let's be fair. Um, we have Pidge. He is a pigeon. Pidge is ridiculous. Yeah, he's not too old. He's about four to five. So he's he's still a young, young boy, a um, little bit of a teenager. So he has his mood sometimes. <laughs> But overall, he's a very good boy. He loves training. He loves coming out. Um, he's actually being free flight trained, so we'd love to use him during programs. He's still sometimes a, a booger. Um, <laughs> he'll land on people's heads, which is it's kind of a no-no. We don't want him to do that because then sometimes he pecks you and, or he falls off because hair is slippery and, yes. and then he claws his way down ah. the back of your neck. Ah, lovely, yeah. lovely. Um, but he is, for the most part, really, really good. He's great at doing a to b's which he'll fly from person to person when you ask for him um he's really good at directional flights so you say go over there <laughs> um he will so he's he's really good and we use him for programming already but we'd love to like train him even further on right. free flights which would just be awesome yeah that would be amazing and he really did a great job with us uh in the room i'm really curious though there was something that you mentioned which is so we we all had little handfuls of seeds and as he would fly to us we would reward him and such um but then you said that it's it's important to sometimes not reward the flight um and I've never heard that before. And so I'm curious why that is and and just what the thought process is behind that. So I'm actually forgetting the real term off the top of my head. Okay. Um, I think it's variable reinforcement schedule, um, but I could be wrong on that too. Oh, yes. Got it. Confirmed. Um, so once a behavior is trained, because when you're training it, you're going to be re rewarding every time right, it's right. offered. And that is what helps make sure they're learning the correct behavior in the manner that you want it to be right, learned. Yeah. Um, but once that behavior is solid and they're doing it really well, you want to stop rewarding every single time. So you'll make them do a couple behaviors and then reward and keep it random. You don't need to do it every two or three. Um, you want it to be random. It's actually the same reason why gambling works. So you're not rewarded every time, but there's actually a stronger like response and like animals will actually offer behaviors more consistently when they think maybe 
this is it. Maybe this is the time. So it actually helps make sure your behavior is really, really strong. Right. Because if you're getting rewarded every single time, some animals kind of get in that mindset where, does it matter? Do I need to do this right now? I know you're asking, but you'll ask again in five minutes and I'll get a treat. So they're more likely to offer consistent, strong responses if it's switched to a non-consistent form of reward. Interesting. Psychology of humans and other animals is weird, but but that makes sense. And I, I love the comparison to gambling. Yeah. Because, boy, we have, have all been there. It's actually, I learned that in school, too, um, because they were like, just think of it that way, because people will keep trying to get that jackpot. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what's happening. And you do intersperse jackpots, too. So once in a while, if you do something really good, just throw food at them. <laughs> right, right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, we. Uh, I play a lot of casinos with Million Dollar Quartet, and um, I'm not a big gambler at all. But it is definitely that thing where, like, when I do sit down at a slot machine or at a card game or whatever, it, I, I can see how people get hooked on. It's not my thing, and I, I can have fun and walk away. But, but yeah, no, you're definitely right. Those those yeah. moments, that rush of winning back some of that money you're getting ahead is is – Pretty hot. Although yeah. I, I must admit, I also wouldn't mind if I won every time. Yes. No, it would be nice. But, <laughs> but then you wouldn't go You wouldn't no. go very often because right. no, you'd have yeah. all the money in the world. <laughs> yeah. That would be unfortunate. No. No. <laughs> no, but it totally does make sense with animals. I'm just being a dork. Um, yeah. But no, Pidge is amazing. Um, yes. Even if sometimes he gets called Pig. Um, it's a nickname. Yeah, it works. It, he, he's not offended. No. We also think everyone in this room really loves pigs. So, you know. Yeah, pigs are great. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but tell me about some more of the stars. So our other big star, his name is Frank, and he is an Eastern chipmunk. Yes. So he's actually not super common for an educational facility or any any type of collection. It's really, really hard to find chipmunks that need placement, weirdly enough. Um, but he is really nice for a chipmunk. He was actually also, someone probably found him when he was really little and raised him. So he's also imprinted. So he also thinks we're weird large chipmunks <laughs> um but he really loves human contact he loves being around people um and he's just he's really amazing he loves belly rubs if you rub his belly he flips over onto his back he, he does chew on you the whole time which doesn't hurt per se no it's super gentle super gentle yeah he can bite kind of hard sometimes though Fair. um but yeah we're setting up a table for him because we want him to be able to go out on educational programs. He has had a Facebook Live. Oh, so if you, fancy. Yeah, if you ever want to see him run around on a table, look up on Facebook. Nice. That's really cool. Um, are Do you find that when people see Frank, they're excited to be, like, interacting with a chipmunk? Or is it like, yeah, I see, like, 30 of these a day when I'm out in the woods? Um, surprisingly, everyone I've ever met is super excited that we have a really nice chipmunk. I mean, to be fair, I was really excited. Yeah. It's not that surprising. Also because, you know, I've met all these weird animals and cool animals. And, and, and you know, I've seen a bunch of chipmunks. But it's not every day you get to meet a chipmunk. Yeah, you sometimes forget about the native native guys. Like there are some really really cool species mm-hmm. that live right in your backyard, but they do sometimes get ignored because there are also amazing species that live everywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, you sometimes forget to think like about those awesome animals that maybe you see every day but you don't interact with. Um but yeah, he's he's so great and we're really hoping he can do more programs and stuff. He is in training cuz he's still young. He's right, right. just about a year old now. Very cool. And then uh, to his right, between the two stars, is the uh, the older 
the elder spokesman of the the ambassador room, if you want to call it that. Yes. Um, so, so tell me about her. Uh, her name is Sassy. She is a southern flying squirrel. She's about 11 and a half, which is really, really old. Their lifespan is typically around nine years. Yeah. So she's she's old. Yeah. Um, she's been through a lot. She's a really old lady. So she's retired. She doesn't go on programs. She's just kind of here now to live her life out. So she gets all the nuts she could ever want. So much peanut butter. <laughs> um, but she's she's been through a lot in the last year or so now. She actually has an amputated tail. So we like to joke that she is our flying hamster because <laughs> she has a little hamster butt now. But she's been really good. Like she healed so well from that. Um, and she's got cataracts in both eyes. She has another eye issue in one of her eyes, so she can't see. So we're keeping an eye on her in case it does become time. But she's been fine she runs around she's always awake in the morning and she's like hey i need my peanut butter thanks um she really doesn't want to eat her veggies anymore though she's she's like nuts or nothing (laughs) (laughs) that's really cute and she's retired right like she's just living there now yeah um i wouldn't want anyone to think like oh there's this animal that's been through a lot and is still an ambassador still lives in the building but is not an active she's she's off exhibit and she doesn't go anywhere right unless it's to the vet (laughs) yeah (laughs) she she basically just lives at home now and that is her little retirement home yeah and it is awesome and adorable and soft lots of soft there yes so much yeah she actually i recently got her a hammock shaped like a sloth yeah she likes to sleep inside of it it's really cute that is adorable i love it it's time now don't you know we come to the end of the show but there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Hit me. Ooh, so I have now been pooped on by ravens. Nice. Yeah, not fun at all. <laughs> so some, some birds like poop and it comes out in one piece and ravens are very liquidy and very hot. It's very unpleasant. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Describing poop as hot, I mean, I realize that it, like, is, but, oh, that's just such a gross descriptor. Yeah. No, it goes right through your t-shirt, and you can feel the warm poop on your back. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it happens more than once, so it's just, they like to stay on top of you so they can beg for food easier. Right, right. But being birds, they also poop where they are, so, yeah. Yeah, I've I've had a raven poo shower. Not something I'd like to repeat. Yeah. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Oh, man. It's great because it's, you know, Corvids, but also, no, no, thank you. Fair, fair. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. This has been a blast. No problem. It was awesome seeing you. Yeah, you too. Oh, wasn't that awesome? I really like Kelsey. She is such an authentic individual. Um, I just... I think she's got such a pure heart and is such a cool human. And I mean, yes, when I say cool human, I mean a biologist who is interested in, you know, the natural history of species and plays Dungeons and Dragons and dresses up and goes to Ren Fairs. Um, So cool human, maybe in not the way that a lot of people mean it, but definitely in the way that we mean it here at the pod. And I just, I really like Kelsey and I, I hope that that came through to all of you in the interview. Uh, you can check out the Ecotarium online. Their social media is at Ecotarium, or you can visit Ecotarium.org, and it's spelled E-C-O-T-A-R-I-U-M. 
don't worry, there are awesome pictures of Socks the Fox. Or like I said at the intro, Fox the Socks, one or the other. Anyway, uh, here are those lovely, lovely Stiderk. The Ross Safari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.